here we go. My name is Ryan. I'm the youth and college pastor. Uh, and we have been going through a series called Breathe Again. And, and what that is, is it, this is the third uh, week in the series. It's our last week in the series. And again, the, the, the study is called Breathe Again because it's a study on prayer. Um, let's do it. We've done it every week. And I want to go. I want to be consistent. I want to finish it up. Raise your hand if you think your prayer life could use some work. Uh, your prayer life is not quite where you want. Yeah, again, thank you, man. Wow, amazing. Um, so it's so much more convenient now, a place to put all my things. Um, the people on the podcast are like, what is he talking about? Um, but yeah, nobody, I don't think anybody can say, you know, oh, Ryan, I just, like no one's come to my office and said, Ryan, I just, uh, I feel like I'm praying too much. Like nobody's ever come to me like with that complaint or with that, that burden, right, that they've prayed too much. Um, and so just so you know, we've spent the last two weeks, and it's, and it's on our podcast, which I'll, which I'll talk to you more about at the end, um, called PVN College. But we've gone through the last two weeks, we've gone through the Lord's Prayer. That's what we've been studying. Um, it's in Matthew chapter 6. It's also in Luke chapter 11. Um, and this is, this is Jesus' teaching to the disciples on how to pray. Because uh, they say, teach us, especially in Luke 11, they say, teach us how we should pray. And Christ says, pray then like this. And he goes through the Lord's Prayer. So, if you're reading it that way, it shows Jesus is teaching us how to pray through the Lord's Prayer. And so that's kind of what we've been doing the last two weeks. So I do, I encourage you to check that out. What we're going to do tonight um, is going to be a little bit different, not, not quite as, as long as we usually go. But we're just going to hit a couple of places in Scripture that kind of mirror the model that Jesus has set in the Lord's Prayer. Does that make sense? So in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus kind of sets this model for us, and you see that model um, as kind of the, 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 the fabric throughout all of Scripture, okay? The fabric for real prayer, the way prayer really is supposed to work, okay? Does that make sense? So we're going to do what I call Bible hopping, okay? So be sure you're good and stretched beforehand. We don't want anybody pulling a hammy as we go. Um, we are in Psalm 34, all right? Psalm 34, we're just going to kind of look at a verse at a time. And just so, for those of you who are new, again, we've, we've got some Bibles over here on the table as well as some pens. If you want to take notes, if you're into that sort of thing, I do, I encourage it. Um, even if you're on your phone, you know, have a note section as well. Because you don't want to remember some of this stuff. Because uh, it's pretty profound. Because um, I've copied it from other people. So anyway, um, just kidding, kind of. All right, here we go. Um, Psalm th- there's, a, there's a phrase, it's uh, good pastors borrow from other pastors. Great pastors steal from them. So I, my, that's like my goal, right? Um, Here we go. Psalm 34. And again, we're, we're, just, we're just wanting to look at prayer. And these are just some things that I've caught that I think really kind of merit our attention. And, and for those of you who are new, again, we're doing more of like a small group feel this semester. And I think, I think the Lord's really blessed it. I think you guys have enjoyed it, I think. Um, and so what that means, though, is we, we actually call on folks to read, if that's okay. And if you're going to have a panic attack, just that's okay. Just, uh, I guess, let me know in some way other than having a panic attack. Uh, but, Blaze, do you mind reading for a second? Can you just read Psalm 34, verse 4? Psalm 34, verse 4. Okay, so right out of the gate, I want to encourage you guys. The Psalms are an awesome place to turn to and and to look when when needing some advice on prayer. When just these people poured their heart out in front of God, these guys 
knew how to pray, right? Um, they're, they're seeking after the Lord. So I want to just break this verse down piece by piece. Um, Ryan, can you just read, um, just read verse 4 until I tell you to stop? Great job, Ryan. Okay, so I sought the Lord. That's it. That's before we're going to break down first. I sought the Lord. So first thing, I sought, all right? I sought the Lord. You see how, at least in my Bible, Lord is, is in all caps. It's, that, it's that, that Bible Lord. You know what I'm talking about? This is Hebrew for the word Yahweh, all right? This is where we get the word Yahweh. This is, um, this is God's covenant name that Israel gives him. This is a name of intimacy. It doesn't just mean God like, you know how, all right, we worship God, but I'm up, but I'm up there and I say, if there's really a God out there, you see how it's, I said the same word, but I'm not talking about the same God. Does that make sense? That's what's happening here. Lord means Yahweh. Um, if you're just talking about gods in general, you would use Elohim, which just means God or gods, right? But Yahweh is this intimacy with God. So when he says, I sought the Lord, it doesn't just mean I prayed to God and this is what, that's not what he says. I sought the Lord. It's much more personal. Okay. So that's your first thing. This is, and again, this this reminds me, and you don't don't turn there, but it reminds me of in the Lord's prayer in Matthew chapter six, nine and 10. Remember how Jesus says, pray then like this. And what does he call God? It's the first part of the Lord's prayer. He says, our good wheeler, he says, our father. This is intimacy here. This is a closeness. We talked about this last week. You're not really you right now. You're really you when you go home, when you're in front of your parents, when you're in front of those closest to you, when you take the mask off, right? It's this intimacy. Jesus says, pray like this, our father. So seek the Lord in this intimate way. I sought the Lord. Now, this other word, I sought. It's past tense for seek, to look for. Now, think about that. When you pray, you know, you sit on your bed and you close your eyes and you pray. So what does he mean when he says, I sought the Lord? He went looking. It's this idea of, I'm not going to leave until I found you. You know, when was the last time that we prayed that way? Does that make sense? We talked about this last week. You know, for me, I don't know if it's this way for you guys, but, but for me, my prayers are a lot like a grocery list. You know what I mean? Like, this is what I want. This is what I need. This is what I'm worried about. This is what I'm, you know, this is what I really need you to come through for on God. Oh, and forgive me, and thanks for this day, which again, I don't understand. Like, the day is here. Why are you thanking? I, I don't get it. But it's like, amen. And that's your prayer. But this guy, he, David, he, he seeks after the Lord. This is, this is work, right? This is work. And I'm not trying to turn you off from prayer, but I'm saying with prayer, we've got to lean in. Prayer takes practice. It really does. Reading a grocery list does not take practice. But remember, we talked about this last week. Remember, like if you sit next to someone you don't know on a plane or or, or in class, it takes work to get to know them. You see what I'm saying? It takes work. It takes trial and error and, and learning to listen that's what prayer is. It's not just reciting a grocery list to God. Look, I mean, look at, don't, don't take my word for it. Look at what he says. I sought the Lord. I went after intimacy with God. I went to find my dad. I went after the Lord. This is different than I prayed to God and he answered me. You see the difference? I sought the Lord and he answered me. 
I prayed to God, and he answered me. This is much more intimate. This, and this is what our prayer lives need to be like. The goal of prayer is not to get your prayer answered. The goal of prayer is to get more of God. You see the difference? It says right there. He doesn't say, I started praying my list to God. He says, I sought. Wheeler, who does it say? I sought who? I sought, I sought God. I sought the Lord. I'm going after the Lord here. I have needs. I have wants. I have concerns. But I'm going after the Lord. There's a difference there. All right? This second line. All right, Ryan, I cut you off. I'm sorry. Keep going. So I sought the Lord. You are just doing a great job. So I sought the Lord, and he answered me. So again, it's this, idea of, it's this idea of I'm reaching for God, and I'm listening for God. I want God to talk to me. And again, it's not, let me take a pause here. Uh, I pray to God all the time, and I can't hear him talk to me. Okay, uh, you talk to someone through your words, right? You talk to someone through your words. God speaks to you through his word. That's how he speaks to us, through the Bible, These are the words of God speaking to us. This is how we listen to God. You don't sit in your room and put like reckless love on repeat and just wait for for the breakthrough. Does that make sense? I'm not bashing that song. It's a good song. I like that song. But it's not prayer. Does that make sense? Do you follow me on this? This is how God talks to us. This is the conversation piece. It's the Bible. I would would very much encourage you in in your quiet times, but in your prayer times, to find a psalm or to find a favorite part of Scripture and read it as you're praying. It may not even have anything to do with what you're praying. But this is how we listen to what God has to say to us. Don't listen for an audible voice. He doesn't do that. Um, God only speaks like three or four times in the entire New Testament. And half of that's to Jesus. So, right? You see what I'm saying? Don't be waiting for an audible. When people come to me and they say, I heard the Lord says, I'm very hesitant. Does that make sense? Very, very hesitant. This is what he has given to speak to us. All right, I sought the Lord. He answered me. Here we go. All right, Ron, I'm not going to interrupt you again. Finish off that verse for me. He delivered me from all my fears. Good. All right. He delivered me from my fears. Notice, it does not say he delivered me from my circumstances. Did you catch that? He deli- so, so imagine, you know, I've got this disease or the money's not coming through or, or the breakup has happened or I'm, I'm, I'm so over being single or whatever. I, I don't know if I'm in the right major. I, I feel like I've wasted all this money on something that I'm not even going to do with my life. I'm praying to the Lord and he answers me. He delivers me. I feel like I'm hitting home with some folks here. It's probably the singleness thing. I get it. Um, but anyway... Uh, don't worry, that's coming in the next couple of weeks. That's coming. Um, I sought the Lord, but look at what it says. He delivered me. Everyone say it with me. He delivered me from all my fears. He deli- it does not say circumstances. Now, this is huge. This is what happens when we pray to the Lord. This is how the Lord delivers us. Um, it's this idea of, I have a friend named Dennis who uh, got cancer several years ago, went through chemotherapy, and he, and he got through it, and he told me, he says, Ryan, I, I don't want cancer again, but I miss how close I was with Jesus when I had cancer. We, we need to let that sit for a minute. I miss how close I was with Jesus when I had cancer. He didn't remove, in the, in the middle of that chemotherapy, he's not removing the disease, but he's removing my fear. It, do, you not, do you do this sometimes, like you play things up so big in your head and the actual circumstance 
is almost never as bad as you've put it in your brain. Do you see what I'm saying? Does that not, I mean, that happens to me like three times a week, legit, right? But look at, look at, that's what I encourage you guys. That's what this verse is hitting on. Isn't it amazing that this is thousands of years ago and King David has the exact same problem that you have in college? The exact same problem. It's, it's the fears in my brain. It's the stress. It's the anxiety that's tearing me to pieces more than the actual, the actual circumstance. The, the, the fear of what could happen from this disease is ravaging my body as much as not more than the disease itself, than the poverty, than the, than the breakup, than the singleness, than the, the financial strain, right? You see what I mean? And yet, in this prayer, he says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from my fears. There's this great part in the Exodus narrative, right? So Exodus, uh, the Lord through Moses has freed the Israelites from Egypt, right? And there's this scene where, remember, um, shout out to Prince of Egypt, one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, Super underrated, phenomenal music. Anyway, another time, right? So they're at the ocean, right? They're at the Red Sea. And, and, and in the Bible, the, the, the Egyptians are coming and the Israelites start losing it. They say, you know, we had it so, you, you know the story. We had it so much better in Egypt. Why did you bring us out here just to die? All this fear is coming back into their heart. What's happening? Listen, they have been physically freed from Egypt, but spiritually they're still enslaved. Does that make sense? It is totally possible in your life for you to be set free from from circumstantial suffering and yet your spirit is still enslaved. Your heart is still enslaved. So when David prays, he delivered me from my fears, David doesn't mean he set me free from my circumstances. He means spiritually God has rescued me, which is the real mission. When you go through all this suffering, when you go through all this pain, you have to remember your deepest need is not physical freedom. Your deepest need is not financial freedom. Um, your deepest need is not singleness or someone to date or, or finding the right major. Those are important things, but those are not your deepest needs. So what if in that suffering, in that loneliness, or in that bad relationship, or in that financial strain, God is actually setting you free spiritually through physical bondage. He's setting you free spiritually. He's relieving your pain spiritually through bringing pain physically. This is something that we have to remember. I sought the Lord and He delivered me from my fears. It's the spiritual that is our deepest need. It's the spiritual that is our biggest pain. We used the example last week of you are a, a, a broken piece of, of coal, right? That's dirty and will not inherit the kingdom of God. But all the pressure of those rocks is going to turn you into a diamond so that you can go into the kingdom of God. But as a piece of coal, you think the biggest problem is all the rocks pushing in on you. Get these rocks away from me. Get this singleness off of me. Get this financial ruin off of me. Get this stress off of me. You're trying to get rid of the very thing that's going to change you. Do you see that? You're, getting rid of, you're trying to get rid of the very pressure that's going to change you. We have to remember David's prayer here in Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord and he delivered me. Tell me again. I sought the Lord and he delivered me from all my what? This, this internal fear. 
the Lord is using external stuff to deliver me from my spiritual pain, which leads to the second part, all right? Turn in your Bibles to Matthew 26. Matthew 26, verse 39. And I think it's going to be on the board, Lauren. Are we good? All right, Matthew 26, 39. This is, um, this is what is called the high priestly prayer. This is Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's also John chapter 17, um, for you nerds who are asking. Um, Matthew 26, 39. Matthew 26, 39. So Jesus is praying, and I want us to see, this is a quick lesson here, okay? I want us to see this. Um, let's see. Uh, Leslie, would you mind reading? Is that okay? Matthew 26, 39. Good. All right, so this is Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and I want us to see this right off the bat. What is the physical thing that he's doing? What's the, what happened to him physically? He physically, he what? He did what? Help me. He fell to the ground onto his face. There are all these pictures. We probably have one here, and I apologize. Um, there, there are pictures all over churches of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's like, you know, the light is on him, and somehow it's in the middle of the day, even though it's supposed to be at night, and he's like serene. That's not what's going on biblically. He is falling. And again, look at this prayer. He is falling on his face. It says he fell to the ground. It almost suggests like he's been overwhelmed. Does that make sense? He falls to the ground on his face and begins praying. This is raw. This is authentic. He means it. This is way different. This is way different than praying at lunchtime because you feel like you're supposed to. Does that make sense? He is seeking. And what's the first word out of his mouth? My Father. He is, and remember, the Lord's Prayer again. Our Father. This intimate Connection. He's not, you know, our Father, we say it almost like a formula. You know, we say it because we're supposed to say it. We say it because we know the words. Jesus doesn't do that. He means it. My, Dad, I need you here. You see that? He's praying, our Father, my Father. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. He, he's asking, if there's any way to do this other than me going to the cross, let this happen, Right? And we know that he still goes to the cross. This is the, the, the big thing I want to teach you, and then we'll break down a little more of this verse. It is totally possible, okay? And if you can get this in college, this will, this will be so helpful for the rest of your life. And some of you may know this already from real life experience. It is totally possible for you to be falling on your face before God, weeping that he would change your circumstances, and he will say no and still love you. It is totally possible for you to fall on your face before God, begging Him to end the suffering, begging Him to change your circumstances, and He will say no and still deeply love you. It doesn't mean He's gone away. It doesn't mean He's the, he's the kid with the magnifying glass, you know, trying to get the, to burn the anthill or whatever, if you guys even understand that reference. Um, but like... It doesn't mean that he's trying to, he's, that's what we think though, right? We think he's, he's just, he's got it out for me. Why is he doing it? So often we think that pain means that God has gone away. But look, no one in, the, in, in history has been closer to God the Father than Jesus Christ. And Jesus suffered more than any of us ever will. 
Therefore, suffering cannot mean that Jesus has abandoned you, that God has abandoned you. Jesus falls on his face, point blank. If it's possible, take it away. And God says no. But never did God cease to love Jesus in this moment. Therefore, when you ask God desperately, and you pray well, you do a good job, you mean it, you did it right, in this, 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 this singleness, in this, this, my parents' just horrible divorce and strain and our financial troubles, I can't figure out how to talk to my friend. In this, it's totally possible that he's going to say no. But that does not mean that he has stopped loving you. Do you see that? And when, when you, you know, I use this example, you know, you're digging outside for whatever reason. Um, don't do this on your campus, okay? So you're digging outside and you, and you hit this thing, right? And you hit this thing in the ground. Pretend reading the Bible is like digging and you hit this, this truth that you just can't figure out. How can, how can this be? How can he suffer? How can Job suffer so bad? How can Jesus suffer so bad? How can the Bible use the word election in this verse, and yet in this verse it says, if you believe? How can, you know, what's to do with Revelation? What's going on with Song of Solomon? Like, what's, what's to do? And you hit these difficult things. If you, you haven't hit a wall, your shovel has hit a diamond. That's why it's so hard. Because if you'll keep digging, the thing that you will find will be priceless. If you can start to wrestle with this truth that is, instead of giving up, well, it's too hard for me to understand, I'm turning the page. No, 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 no. You've hit this diamond. If you will lean in and dig deeper and around it and wrestle with it and find it, it's going to stick with you for the rest of your life. This is one of those things that you've got to walk out, one of these difficult truths in Scripture, but, but wonderful truths too. Remember, in our suffering, he's gunning for the spiritual with Jesus. He didn't take away the suffering, and yet on the cross, Jesus did the biggest spiritual miracle ever. He is gunning for your heart in suffering. So when you pray, keep that in mind. All right, last one, and then we're finished. Flip over to Psalm chapter 42. Psalm chapter 42, okay? Again, we've got David praying. Uh, you'll know it when we get there, but Psalm 42, and, and a lot of scholars think that Psalm 42 and 43 were actually the same psalm. They've just been split because the refrain or the kind of the chorus is the exact same. It happens three times. It's in Psalm 42, 5, um, and that's what we're going to read in just a second, but just so you know, well, let's read it first, actually. Let's do that. Um, let's see. Shelby, would you mind reading for us, man? Psalm 42, um, and then can you just read verse 5? So this is David speaking, right? Um, we think probably uh, Psalm 42, verse 5. Good. And I like there that he's talking to himself. Does someone else have a different verse? That's good. That was fine. Canaan, go ahead, man. Psalm 42, 5. Good. All right. Now, look, both those versions are perfect. Um, why are you so downcast, my soul? Notice that he is talking to himself. Not in some weird way, right? Not in some weird Instagram way or whatever. He's, talking to, he's doing business with his own heart. David is in depression. Why are you downcast? Why are you anxious about this? Why are you stressed about this? Why are you depressed here? My soul. He's talking to his soul. 
He's talking. This is another, this is another way we, in, in prayer. He's wrestling in his own heart. Now, here's, here's, here's where I bring this up. The big push in culture is you need to go wherever your heart leads. Thanks, Disney, right? You need to follow your heart. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. You need to follow your heart. What, what if your heart is wrong? The whole Bible is about how our hearts are broken in need of fixing. This is the prime lie of every generation is follow your heart. And David, his heart wants depression. His heart is anxious. His heart can't stop. You know when you get anxious about something, you can't stop focusing on that thing that you're anxious about, right? He's saying, why are you focusing on this? Why are you downcast? Hope in God. He's trying to get, he's trying to climb out of it. We cannot, as Christians, and if you're not a Christian, that's okay, I'm glad you're here, but this is, this is something that, that we as Christians need to do. We cannot go to a conference, go to a church service, and check our brains at the door and just come in and feel our way through the service. There's nothing wrong with emotions. God gave us emotions. Those are good. Those are good compasses for us to use. But the Lord has given you the ability to think and to grow through His Word. We can't just get lost in our emotions all the time. We can't just sink into that all the time. You as a Christian have to do the difficult but wonderful work of wrestling with your own heart. I'm not just going to give in to lust because that's the, it's that slippery slope that I'm going down again. I'm not just going to smart off to my friend to get the last word in again. I'm not going to, I'm going to stop myself and fight. Why are you downcast on my soul? Why do you want to strike him back for this? You've got to stop. You, gotta, you have to check yourself like this. That's what David's doing here. Why are you so down? It's in, it's in verse, and here's the other thing I want to show you. This, it's in verse 5. Now look at Psalm 42, 11. Why are you downcast on my soul? Why have you come dis- dis- disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him. Then look at Psalm 43, verse 5. Why are you in despair on my soul? Why are you disturbed within me? Hope in God. For I say, it's, it's, a refra- it's like a chorus. He's, he's, he's repeating it to himself over and over and over. And do, you, do you see that? He's repeating it. Why? Because prayer takes work. Changing your heart takes work. It's not, it's not hocus pocus. It's not a formula. It's not a just say these words and then this happens. That's mysticism. That's pagan. We don't do that. Prayer is this. He is, he is grinding here trying to change his heart. Those of you who have fallen victim to pornography, those of you who have fallen victim to lust or, or gossip or getting lost in your own head, you can't just say the words and walk yourself out of it, right? You've got a claw, do you not? This takes getting out of the house, getting out of the basement, going on a walk, moving. This takes work. You know, again, I, I, would, I read quotes to get ready for this, this study about you know, men and women who have come out of their prayer closets sweating and tired. And I thought, what in the world? Because reading a grocery list doesn't take work. But why are you downcast? Get out of here. Get out of this. Come on. That takes work. I sought the Lord. I challenge you guys again this week. When you go to pray, don't don't just, here's my list. Here we go. No, no, no. Model yourself after the Lord's prayer. 
Spend, spend the bulk of whatever it is. Spend the bulk of your prayer time praising God. Then ask what you need to ask. And spend that, and, and spend that time not just ready to get your requests answered and sins forgiven, because you're never going to grow like you're supposed to. Spend that time. I sought the Lord and He answered me. I fell, he fell on his face. And I'm not asking that you have to have these emotional outbursts every time you pray. That's not what I'm saying. That's not the point. You know when you're really talking to your dad and when you're not. Does that make sense? Seek after him. And, if you're, and, and again, it takes work. So if you go at it tomorrow and it's just not there, I don't feel anything, I don't care, I tried for 20 minutes and I still don't care, go back the next day. This is the work that, it, that, that, we, that we have to do, not because it's what we're supposed to do, but this is how you get to know somebody. This is the depth of prayer. I encourage you guys, in your quiet times, look at Psalm 34. Uh, look at Jesus' prayer in, in Matthew 26. Look at David's prayer, the sons of Korah's prayer in Psalm 42 and 43. Work through these in your own heart. See, see find the patterns. Work in this, guys. Get messy in here, right? Find what it's trying to say. Let's pray and then the band will come up. Thank you.